You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Storybrooke. Because the first step to a new beginning is imagining that one is even possible. Welcome to Storybrooke Weekly Mirror in Hyperion Heights, the unofficial Once Upon a Time podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, April 2nd. 2018, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the ABC series, Once Upon a Time. Please welcome my co-hosts, Katie. Hi, guys. Hope you're all doing well tonight. Jenna Pace. Hey, everybody. Let's take apart this episode. And Heather Bishop. What's up, everybody? Let's jump into our recap of Season 7, Episode 15, which was titled Sisterhood and aired March 30th, 2018. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. When the Candy Killer attacks, Ivy will have to risk what remains of her family. While Jacinda and Henry grow closer and Ronnie questions her relationship with Samdi. Meanwhile... Drizella faces an unthinkable challenge in her attempt to join the Witch's Coven. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 7, Episode 15. The episode was viewed by 2.08 million total viewers, with 8.5 in the demo. It dipped to an audience low while ticking up in the demo. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, and uh, let's start off with Katie. Well, I really liked this episode. Um, I don't know if I was expecting much coming into the episode, but I really liked it. There were a lot of really good things. I loved Drizella, and I actually... There was a plot twist to her... Her... Trying to think of how to say this. There's a plot twist to her ending i guess you could say that i did not see coming (gasps) and (laughs) all and um i liked the reveal of something that happened pretty much at the last pretty much it was it was the last scene of the episode i loved the reveal um i loved the uh the fairy tale land not the fairy tale land um what do we call it the Magical Forest. The Magical Forest. I haven't called it that in a while, so I forgot the name. I loved the Magical Forest flashbacks. I liked what was happening in the present day. Um, I've comp- I thought about this last night as I was thinking. Um, I would compare what we saw with um, 
Jack, Rogers, and um, Henry in the arcade, kind of, kind of like in the very first season when um, Ruby, Mary Margaret, and mm-hmm. oh my gosh, who else was it? It was Ruby, Mary Margaret, and Cinderella. Ashley. Cinderella. Ashley, yes, when they went on their little Gail's date thing. Um, I kind of compared it to that, and it had a similar feel to that, and I really liked it. So I I enjoyed the episode a lot. I thought it was very enjoyable, and I caught myself not looking down at my phone a lot, as I sometimes do if I get bored. Well, that's our show, folks. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. I just explained everything. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for tuning in. That's our show folks <laughs> all right thank you katie for that dissertation i gave you a rundown okay it was i liked it you know what you get a gold star katie thank you you're welcome Yay. a golden apple for katie yeah bum, 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 bum. heather <laughs> what about you your initial reaction to the episode um, I really liked this episode, and Katie pretty much covered the majority of the bases on it. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I went through and I watched it. I think I ended up watching this one three times. And oh. the more that I watched it, the, usually on the second watch, I, I pick things apart and start finding the little things that I had problems with. But I really, the last two to three episodes have really m- picked it up you know it's back to i'm really excited i don't i find that i i can't wait for the commercials to get to to get over because i want to get back to the story so i really really enjoyed this episode and i'm really excited to start talking about it well damn all right so we have two positive initial reactions jenna pace are you on uh, the train of positivity or are you taking the sidecar into oblivion uh okay so I'm kind of like nestled in the inner space of mediocrity. Oh. I found this episode kind of underwhelming. I found the I found all the twists and turns and the new characters and the old characters doing really irrelevant things. And I found that some plot some plots were just giving me whiplash. And yeah, I didn't find it clever at all. I felt it I found it a little contrived. Not all that enjoyable, but Honestly, in those little summaries, I think you and have you and Heather might make me think a little bit more positively on it. We're gonna Ooh. sway you. Oh, so, let's see. yeah, bringing you to this side. <laughs> Bring you to the side <laughs> of light. Light side. I don't like hating episodes. I I know oh, episodes. Seriously, go back to the last fourteen I've been a part of. It's usually <laughs> I love this episode, but right now, no. Help me see the light. We will that help you see. We will guide you. We will be the lights that guide you home. Aw, and that's so <laughs> adorable. Oh, that was so corny. That was. <laughs> I but good. I, I liked it. And uh, Jenna, you're sitting alone in, in what was it? The uh, the train of despair. Me- the, no, no, the train of mediocrity. mediocrity. Yes, you're by yourself. You've got a ticket for one. Because I am on the hype train. I really, 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 like, uh, really in all caps, enjoyed this episode. I loved it. I loved all of the twists. I loved the little bits of character development. I loved the remix character that was introduced in uh, the flashback. 
I am loving Shadow Queen. The reveal was pretty awesome, at least in my opinion, because I... No, I don't even want to say I don't believe. I know no one called it. So that was spectacular in and of itself. I will co-sign with Katie. The uh, ending of a particular character's storyline or their arc in this season was a surprise as well. I did not expect that. I thought she was going to die, to be quite honest. But uh, <laughs> that was a pleasant surprise. I don't know if this means maybe we'll see them in the future. And in the future, I mean in the next couple of episodes or maybe they're just done period i guess we will have to wait and see but uh yeah kudos to the episode i was uh completely enthralled with it from beginning to end and this was an episode in, in which i really did not know what was going to happen in it and i left completely satisfied so uh yeah so before we get into uh, a thorough recap of the latest episode of Once Upon a Time. Here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash Radio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. Thanks, announcer. And uh, a quick shout-out to the opening title card, which featured Flynn's Barcade in uh, the foreground. So let's start off in the past, as we always do, and we get a teeny, tiny, teeny, 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 tiny little scene that takes place, like, way in the past compared to the rest of the flashback stuff. We get a teeny, tiny little scene in uh, the magical forest, as we call it, Katie, 
with a young Drizella playing hide-and-seek, you're welcome, with Anastasia. And I believe this is the first time that we've learned that Anastasia is the older sister. We, I think we all assume that mm-hmm. she was the younger sister, based on just uh, Drizella's age, but um, age really doesn't mean anything on Once Upon a Time. I'm just saying. Mm-mm. Wait, actually, nope. no. I think that this was revealed beforehand because Anastasia, Anastasia and the lanterns and such, because Drizella was like a baby when Tremaine went away. Oh yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, we did get that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is true. I guess it's been so long. I completely forgot. Yeah, no, I forgot too. You just reminded me. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. See, look, teamwork makes the dream work. So I guess, so I guess we knew it. Correct. Yes. So, I guess we knew this, but uh, it's just been so long. I mean, that was uh, in the first half of the season that uh, we all forgot. But, uh, so, they're, they're playing hide-and-seek. Drizella gets lost. But Anastasia's uh, magic with the lantern leads Drizella back to her. And Anastasia basically tells her that as long as they're together, they can always find their way home. And so, many, many years later, once... Uh, Anastasia is in a comatose state, and Gisela is all hellbent on casting the new Dark Curse. We see Gothel test uh, Gisela's um, um, passion or dedication to this by Cora-ing herself into Regina, and uh, she basically invites Gisela to join the Coven of Eight, and uh, we see that apparently there's some sort of um, testing ritual to see who has the the strongest magic or, or who who wants it the most, basically. And so Gisela is hesitant in the beginning, but then she ends up accepting the offer. And apparently there are only two spots left, and so they're going through this um, not really a hazing process, but a, a sort of like recruitment process type of thing. Apparently, Gothel has hidden two golden flowers in the forest, and whoever brings the flowers back to her, those two will be worthy enough to join the coven. And so, uh, one of the, uh, let's call them apprentice witches, uh, her name is Gretel, ends up approaching Drizella to partner up. Even though Gothel tells them all, you know, you must do it by yourself, uh, Gretel ends up telling Drizella that uh, it, it will be much more smart for us to team up. No one will see it coming, and we can get those flowers, and we can both join the coven. You know, I can tell that you have this uh, inner strength in you to make it happen. So I'm going to pause right here, and I'm going to ask two questions. The first one is, what did you all think of uh, the teeny, tiny, teeny, teeny, teeny little scene with Anastasia? And uh, what did you think of the introduction of a remixed Gretel? Gretel 2.0. Let's call her that. So, Katie, I'll have you take the first question. What did you think of the teeny, tiny little scene with uh, young Drizella and uh, Anastasia? I really liked it. I mean, the first thing that really stuck out to me was that I really, I have been looking for them to bring in the the lanterns from Tangled forever. And they finally brought them in. They were in the episode they, that Jenna talked about. Yeah, yeah. They were yeah. in one little tier. But they brought them in. 
Oh, again. I feel like in a bigger way. Like, oh, again, yes. in a bigger way. Bigly. Um, and they carried it throughout the episode. But I, I love, I don't know why, but Tangled is one of my favorite Disney movies. And I love the lantern so much. And for them to have brought them back again was great. Um, Katie, and I like the Katie way that knows they best. brought them in. I know, I know. <laughs> and I like the way that they brought them in. It was very clever. Um, because, you know, as the song goes, the lights the lights will guide you home. And um, at last I see the light and all of that. So it kind of, like, went in with that, um, that whole theme from the actual movie. Um, but, you know, it was a very cute scene. It set up... Um, something that we would be that we will be going over later um it was a nice setup even though it was a small scene it was um nice to get that um that background as to why it comes into play later so i really did enjoy it awesome and Heather, what did you think of the introduction of Gretel? I will say before I, I let you take the floor, we do get a gigantic info dump from uh, Gretel. We learn that uh, when she was kidnapped by the witch and, and that kind of thing, they do follow the Hansel and Gretel story. It seems as if it affected Gretel and Hansel in very different kinds of ways. Uh, Gretel in particular, she uh, embraced sort of like the experience and, and uh, she used it as a means to uh, motivate her into never being in that type of situation ever again. She starts learning or she ends up learning uh, the magic that that witch uses because we see her turn things into candy and uh, she seems to have a uh, fixation on candy she's always you know eating candy throughout all of her scenes and we do get a little bit of information on her brother Hansel apparently it affected him in a very dark kind of way and, and he's off having adventures and he's even changed his name but focusing on Gretel, what did you think of this interpretation of Gretel? We did see Gretel very, very, very early on in Once Upon a Time's run. A very different type of situation because Gretel was a child. So this is a grown-up Gretel. She's got her own little backstory and she's embracing her uh, witchy side. What did you think of Gretel, Heather? Okay, so I loved Gretel. Um, in comparison to what we saw in True North back in season one. The the differences in the characters was just absolutely amazing and awesome. And to have a Hansel and Gretel story that has even more tragedy behind it than the one that we saw back in season one, it's pretty impressive. Um, I really, really enjoyed Gretel's character to the point where what happened to her later on in the episode, I was very upset with. Um, I like that she is the one that initiates the contact with Ivy. She and that she seems to have this this need to be in the sisterhood or to have some kind of a connection with another witch. And whether she's using that as uh, she's using Ivy in that moment so that she can get into the circle, or if it's an actual genuine relationship that she wants to form with Ivy. I loved every second of it. This was probably one of my favorite storylines throughout the episode. 
And I have another crackpot theory that um, I want to leave breadcrumbs to for now because I don't want to jump into it just yet. But um, I, I really, I really enjoyed. Have I been calling her Gretel or Hansel? Because I've been meaning to talk about Gretel. And I, can't, I don't know why I get their names confused, but Gretel's the one I'm talking about. I enjoyed her story, and I think, I'm hoping that we may see more from her later on. And that's all I'll say for now on that. Alrighty, very interesting. Very interesting. And I am uh, now very curious about uh, the crack theory. So I guess we will have to wait. Let me know when you're ready to uh, drop some knowledge on us, Heather. I, I will, don't worry. All right, perfect. Sounds exciting. So let's continue on with the story. So uh, as I mentioned, we get this huge uh, info dump on everything uh, Gretel and what this interpretation of Gretel uh, is about. And so uh, they get to basically a, a fork in the road after you know getting into a little bit of a trap in which they both use their magic to help each other. And they agree to separate and then meet up. Because uh, apparently they feel like, you know, a flower or both flowers has to be at the end of uh, either side of uh, this fork in the road. And so when they've separated, Gothel appears and basically reveals to Giselle, this was all a test. It was a test for you. You know, you're actually the one that I want. And, uh, you know, how you end up joining this uh, coven of the eight, you basically have to eliminate your competition, Gretel. And so uh, she's like, I told you all not to get too close and that you all should work individually. So, uh, you know, here's this uh, knife. Uh, I don't even know. It's one of those weird that looks like a fork uh, type of knives and or weapon, whatever the hell you want to call it. And she's like, use this kill Gretel, and uh, you will be a part of uh, the Coven of Eight. And so Gisela is hesitant, and, and she, she doesn't want to do this to this ally, and so once Gretel returns, you know, Gisela's like, we should leave this, you know, let's form our own sisterhood, let's both work together, we seem to work very well together, let's work together and uh, we can both achieve what we want. But uh, Gretel immediately turns sketchy, and uh, it is revealed by Gretel that she has the exact same weapon that Gisela had. So that means Gothel made the exact same deal uh, with her. And so even though Gisela doesn't want to fight, Gretel, you know, initiates the fight, and Gretel is about to kill Gisela when uh, Gisela ends up uh, magicking her weapon um, to uh, kill Gretel. And so Gothel appears and tells her that she has been accepted into the Coven of Eight, which uh, explains how Drizella joined the Coven in the past. So Jenna, you're there in your little boxcar of uh, mediocrity. Okay. Step into the light and uh, give us your take on the flashback and uh, what did you think of uh, Gothel's uh, plan and, and what she was doing in this flashback. I mean, Gothel's plan seemed almost a little overly complex to me the more I think about it. It's like, why didn't she just get them to fight from the beginning? I guess she wanted to, like, see, could you actually, like, willingly break these bonds? But 
Then again, these bonds have only been there for like a day. And how is she to know how close Gretel and Ivy would get? But then again, I was shipping them immediately. They were cute together. Um, uh, that that said, it it was it was an interesting conflict. Um, I find Gre- I found Gretel's story a bit meh. It's kind of like she's saying like how Hansel's mind got warped after warped after what happened to her. But then again, she's trying to join an evil coven of eight. So, I mean, kind of what's that say about her and her approach to things? So, I don't know, the end of the conflict felt a little weird, but it were, it was serviceable, I suppose. Um, yeah, the, you know, I think that there was enough chemistry between the actress who was playing Drizella and the, and the actress who was playing Gretel that the fight felt emotional, brutal enough, really brutal, actually. Like, it got really physical. And yeah, uh, yeah, the ending, the ending, the ending beatdown where Gretel dies was, it worked. It was a good fight. Any other thoughts on the flashback as a whole, whether it's Gretel, the introduction of Gretel in uh, the Magical Forest, the idea of, uh, you know, this uh, search for the golden flower that, you know, really didn't exist, uh, Gothel's sort of plan with uh, exactly how to uh, pit these uh, sister witches against each other. Any other thoughts in general about the flashback? I, I really liked Gretel's... I mean, like, I didn't like it, but... How do I explain this? I liked the way she went about it, because for, as a viewer, it was very frustrating. So you can imagine how it would be for the witch, or the witches themselves to be going through it. Um, it was, it was very Gothel-like to play mind games and to figure out, you know, who's gonna, who's going to go along with this and who's, actually going to do what I want them to do who's strong enough and it's very Gotha like she is she's one of my favorite villains that we've ever seen on the show Mm. in my opinion and um, this is why because she plays mind games with people and she's she does a good job at it Um, so I I really enjoyed it for the fact that she was trying to play with their minds get them to to see, get to see what they would do with any of the information that she was giving them. And she kept switching the plan and to see if they would get frustrated, you know, what would happen. Um, so I really enjoyed it. Um, the other thing that I wanted to comment on was that I loved the relationship that seemed to be growing between um, Drizella and Goth, or not Gothel, <laughs> Drizella and Gretel. Um, I, I was, I'm kind of like Heather too. I really liked her character, and towards the end, I mean, like throughout the whole flashback, you kind of get this feeling that she seems like she is more happy-go-lucky, more. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, do horrible things or whatever um, to get what I want because she, you see her 
going around eating lollipops all the time. But in the end, she really was more cutthroat than you expected. Um, so I, I really did enjoy that twist because I, I don't know if I didn't necessarily see it coming, but it's not where I expected it to go when we had first started watching the flashback take place. Um, but I really liked Drizella especially in this flashback. She, she is one of my favorite new characters. Adelaide Kane does a fantastic job with her character and, um, to see the conflict where she, you know, when we see her in the present compared to the past where she's still struggling with, um, what to do, um, she's a different person, you know, she wasn't going to kill Gretel, she really was going to try to team up with her, um, and to have her turn on her and see, you know, that confusion in her face, um, she did a good job acting that out, but I really did enjoy her, especially in this flashback, because it gives you kind of an idea as to where her mental state was at this this time in her past so i i really did like the flashback a lot yeah i totally agree with you katie Mm -hmm. i co-sign a lot of what you just said drizella during the uh magical forest sequences in which she's older and she's sort of hell-bent on the curse has been kind of one note if you really think about it it's all about the curse Mm -hmm. the curse i hate my mom the curse the curse the curse and that kind of thing you all will pay you all will suffer and in this flashback they gave her a little bit more nuance which i liked because we've seen that in her in uh, the present day in Hyperion Heights. So I'm glad that we got the chance to see that a little bit more with her being an adult. We saw sort of like the sweetness and that kind of thing when she was younger, but uh, it was great to see that in her still when she is sort of like in this curse mode. So I really liked that. I liked her with Gretel. I thought they had a great uh, interaction together. And I also like that... uh, Drizella wasn't basically gung-ho on, like, killing her. I liked that there was hesitation. I liked that she really was about developing this bond with her. And uh, I do believe her when she said, you know, let's go and form our own sisterhood. And let's, you know, seek vengeance on whatever the hell together. You know, and that kind of thing. So, uh, I genuinely liked it. I liked the interpretation of Gretel as well. It was great to see a grown-up Gretel. I loved her obsession with the candy. I thought that was awesome. And uh, her backstory made sense, at least in my opinion. It fit with uh, what we would think of uh, a grown-up Gretel, at least in my opinion. And um, Gothel's treachery, although a little bit surprising. I wasn't expecting like her to like pit everybody against each other and that kind of thing. But it, it uh, sort of fit in with what she's doing in the present day and it kind of shows you that sometimes villains can learn from their past and sometimes villains are doomed to repeat it they don't learn from uh, the mistakes that they made in the past and uh, i just thought this was a really fascinating flashback for gothel especially with like everything that uh is going on in the present day so uh, I I really liked it. Any other final thoughts before we head into Hyperion Heights? 
I did want to say one more thing about Gretel. Um, and I'm, I'm going to hint around at my crackpot theory, but I, I want to talk about this before we jump ahead. Um, so I think I love Gretel's backstory um, and how she talks about how her brother Hansel was um, very much affected mentally by what they went through. But I don't necessarily think that he was the only one that was very seriously mentally affected by what they went through. Um, and it would not surprise me if we found out that Gretel had some more nefarious reasons for wanting to join the group, the Coven of the Eight. Um, as in she might have wanted to be there to help along a certain plot line that we're going to talk about later on. Hinting at my crackpot theory, but without putting it out there just yet. Okay, that's fascinating. There's that. I feel like we all know where you're headed, which is really interesting. And I'm not going to lie, even though I was surprised about the introduction of Hansel and Gretel into the storyline, you know, in the flashback we meet Gretel and that kind of thing, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised, because if you think about it, we, I think, met the Blind Witch, it's true. We did. Mm-hmm. We did. And, you know, and I thought Even though that. we don't have any confirmation yet, but mm-hmm. we were introduced to a blind baker and, uh, yeah. you know, and the witch. She was a witch. And that's what I thought of when yeah. I saw her. I'm like, that's the witch from Hansel and Gretel. So. Yeah, we yeah. all should have called that they were going to introduce Bread them, crumbs. but I just, yeah, mm-hmm. I know, breadcrumbs. I didn't pick up on them <laughs> at all. So uh, it was a, a nice and pleasant surprise in my opinion so let's move into present-day hyperion heights usa and good grief there are a lot of little storylines all over the place uh where should we begin you know what let's do the simplest one i think it's simple enough maybe Let's do the the shipping one. The shipping one slash bromance one. So, okay. It does start off, though, with Regina, though, and uh, with uh, Lucy. So, Regina drops a little intel to Lucy that um, Henry did have friends in uh, the magical forest, in the land of fairy tales, that... Rogers and Jack, you know, they were like, you know, the three caballeros, the, the three amigos. The They were all bromantical together. And so uh, Lucy has noticed that because of the whole situation in which her parents can't have, uh, you know, ATLK, True Love's Kiss, that Henry seems isolated. And so she set up a play date for him, basically, at Flynn's barcade and so he shows up he thinks he's uh, meeting uh, Rogers there for this that or the other but but it's all you know a a means to get Henry some friends which side note the only thing that bugged me a little bit about the storyline was the fact that we've seen Henry and Rogers together enough maybe they might not be friends but like they've they've hung out before I mean like he trusted him enough to deal with the whole Tilly situation. So I thought it was a little weird that um, they had to be set up uh, at a play date together. But we have um, Nick show up and, uh, you know, it turns into this, like, 
big bro-down, you know, with video games and drinks and pool and that kind of thing. And uh, they start talking about life. Uh, Rogers does a little quip about having one hand and this, that, or the other. And so uh, as they're talking about Henry and his feelings towards Jacinda, you know, Nick is like, you know, you need to get over this girl. If you're having, you know, this this pause in whatever's going on, or if it's not headed in the direction that you want, you know, you need to look to the future. So the first woman that enters the barcade, you know, she's the one that you're going to ask out on a date. And so we wait, we wait, and in walks Jacinda. You know, she's going to be having dinner next door with Sabine. And so for some reason, she entered the bar and uh, she ends up chatting with Henry. They talk a little bit for a little while. And Jacinda's like, you know, if, you know, the unbelievable is true, if this is out of the other, if hope and faith and true love is real, you know, why don't you toss this Flynn barcade coin into the glass that's at the end of the bar? And, uh, you know, if you do it, then fairy tales are real. And Lucy was right. And so he takes her up on the bet. He ends up tossing the coin, but the bartender takes the glass, you know, just as it, you know, could have entered it. And so he officially misses. And so uh, Jacinda ends up saying farewell, and she goes to meet Sabine for dinner. Now, later on, just to continue on this little plot point with Jacinda, Jacinda's at home, and there is a glass, you know, at her place on a table far away, and uh, Jacinda, you know, I guess decides to try the same thing, and she tosses it behind her, and much to her surprise, and much to her pleasant surprise, it ends up landing into the glass. And so, uh, hours later, the bar closes, and Henry Rogers and Nick say their goodbyes. While, uh, while they're, uh, well, let, you know what, let's pause here. Let's pause right here, because I'm, I'm getting into dangerous territory. Because people are going to want to talk about stuff, listeners, that we're not ready to talk about. So, let's focus on love before we get into the other stuff. Let's talk about Henry and Jacinda fate and the bromance that we saw all over the place at Flynn's Barcade. Let's see. Who's going to go first? Who wants to talk about bromance? Uh, do I see any hands being raised? I don't. That's because we're on a podcast, listeners. So I will pick Jenna. <laughs> okay. Um. So, well, at first, I, at first when I when I heard about this idea for for Operation Bromance, I was like, okay, that's really funny. And then, and I was curious to see where exactly it would go. I don't really, until like things that happen a little bit later in the episode happen, it really wasn't all that relevant. But I, I did like the interactions a lot. Um, it's always fun to see the guys hanging out in the arcade. Henry has a really weird and mysterious 80s kink, but, you know, he rocks it, he rocks it. I'm, I, I now kind of headcanon that Neil gave him a recommendation of a bunch of movies, uh, music, and video games, like, during season two. 
Um, <laughs> well, which would make Agreed. sense because of the music that he liked anyway. I did kind of like the extra, like, fairy tale thing that happened at the arcade with sub- with uh, Jacinda being the girl in the door and later the coin working out because I feel like it's always been more Jacinda's battle to believe to be a believer rather than rather than Henry. Like Henry's Henry's the quickest to open his mind. Sometimes he needs a stubborn push, but once he gets that stubborn push, he's kind of there. You see that with Lucy and wanting to believe that he's her father. So, but Jacinda's kind of the harder rock to push. So, and you could kind of see, like, how maybe it's, it, like, it was, it started out kind of regrowing, but now you can see it's deteriorated a little bit with Lucy getting sick for a while, and then just as things, things with her and Henry were coming to, coming to head, Lucy breaks them up and suddenly seems like she wants nothing to do with Henry. Um, so that was cute. And I was, and I, and this half of the season, I really enjoyed their relationship. Um, I really, I really like the Rogers, um, the Rogers and Henry's friendship, and kind of how it's expanded. With uh, with what you were saying earlier, Jeff, about like Henry, about Rod, help, Henry helping Rogers earlier. Lucy probably didn't know about all that stuff, so she was like. Nah, Henry just has no friends. All right, you know what? I can co-sign with that, or I can agree with that. That's that's a good Thank explanation. You. Thank you, I'm Jenna Pace. I'm full of them. Uh, but yeah, I guess you know it, it was a really harmless and for what it was, fun, a uh, fun little moment. Any other thoughts on the bromance as well as the Henry and Ella? storyline, you know, allowing uh, Jacinda to believe in hope. Yes, I loved the Henry and Jacinda moments. I love them so much. And I, you know, it was very corny what was happening. And everyone could kind of guess the outcome. But I still loved it so much. It's just so cute. And it makes me excited for when we get to the end and I finally realize who they are. Um, but the process getting there is fun to watch. And I actually, when he threw the coin, I thought for sure that it was going to land in the, um, the mug. And then it didn't like the bartender pulled the mug away. Um, so, I mean, that was a little bit of a plot twist. But I liked how they brought it back in later in the episode when Jacinda did it and it landed in the cup and she, you know, kind of smiled and had a hopeful face because that's not something that we see out of her that often. We see her more as a worried mother. We see her as, you know, the friend. We see her as someone who doesn't want to get involved with anyone right now. Um, and to kind of see her more hopeful and... Um, interested in in Henry is kind of a fun change. So I thought it was really cute scenes. Um, I loved the way that they filmed them, like when she walked in the bar. I mean, we all knew that it was going to be her that walked in the bar, but it was still fun to watch regardless. You know what um, would have like way... been hilarious? <laughs> oh, no. If, like, Ronnie walked in. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I'm like, oh, I gotta turn the show off now. That would have been great. I know, right? <laughs> Are you guys cheating on me bar-wise? <laughs> you know what? That would have been a good line, too. But just, you know, the sheer insanity of it. You know what I'm yes. saying? It just, mm-hmm. it would have been funny. I mean, obviously not in I want them to be shipped kind of way. Just because Ew. it would have been Ew. like you know, batshit crazy, you know, if exactly. like she would have popped in. So I am glad that it was just and done. And, you know, I mean, I think we mm-hmm. all were expecting it. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a moment where I was like, oh, but what if Drizella walks in? Because they were trying to like put them together. But I think that they ended that. So we all knew she was going to walk in. I still liked it anyway. I liked the way that they filmed it. I love the way that they filmed when Henry tossed the coin. Um, I just really... You know, it wasn't anything that was very consequential to the episode, but it was still, it was just fun to watch. I really liked it, and I really like their characters. I ship it. I ship it hard. Yeah, totally. I don't understand the internet. They don't seem to ship them, which, you know, to each their own, not everyone has to like the same ships. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind I of... I don't understand it all. Because the thing is, it's weird that people aren't shipping them because, I mean, it's... It's canon. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, they have a child together. This is, like, Snow and Charming. And maybe because they got so much press with the fact that these are, you know, like Snow and Charming, and it's supposed to be an epic love and that kind of thing, I I think maybe a lot of people uh, have felt like they are being forced to like them. So maybe that's kind of what bit them in the butt. I know that there's this whole thing online about... Jacinda, which I really don't want to get into because I feel like it's um, it's so stupid. But it is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the listeners that know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's best that you don't because it's just so dumb. But um, yeah, so I've never understood why people don't uh, like them. I feel like they have really mm-hmm. great chemistry, and uh, it, it just uh, to me it works. So I like seeing them together. I thought their scenes were cute. I thought the bromance was really nice just because we've gotten like teeny tiny little tastes of it in uh, the flashbacks, but it was great to see them all sort of like reconnect together in the present. I thought that was kind of awesome. I love the Tron shout out. I thought that was pretty cool. And even the bar, like the inside with the video games and the lighting, it was very Tron-esque, which was kind of neat. I was disappointed that we didn't see Sabine, although she would have been there kind of like the third wheel, although she could have gone and and chatted with the other two guys. But uh, it was nice, though, that she was referenced and mentioned and that kind of thing, since we haven't seen Sabine in a minute i feel like yeah we haven't seen her since her episode right we've gotten little references here and there mm-hmm. yeah but yeah, we haven't seen, seen her yeah so mm-hmm. uh, that was nice and uh it was sort of like the lighter side of uh the hour because at one point it looked like i was watching like a horror movie which uh, we will be discussing so uh, any final thoughts on the bromance and uh as well as the romance i think they missed a really good opportunity to put have henry playing space paranoids instead of galaga which would have been an even better tron reference and that really bothered me <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say about that. <laughs> Also, well, uh, well, Nick was at the bar. He should have ordered a bottle of Jack. Yeah. Uh, or Jack. Dude, Jack Daniels is a thing and you're drinking. What the fuck? Oh. 
Henry, you offended Genepace. No, no, Nick did. Oh, Nick, you offended Genepace. Well, damn. Alright, let's see. Okay, let's do the other major arc, and then we will uh, sort of circle back to two teeny, teeny, tinier arcs in the episode, but one with uh, probably a major discussion that's, or maybe I think both will probably lead to a major discussion. Uh, let's be frank, uh, listeners. We're probably going to have major discussions about all of this, because it was all very interesting. So we pick up with Ivy in the Belfry Towers offices, and she's talking with someone on the phone about finding Anastasia. Drizella, uh, Ivy, is hell-bent on finding her sister. She needs to find her sister, needs to find her sister, you know, she needs to find her sister. And Gothel appears, and she ends up basically telling her that she needs to find uh, her as well. And uh, she needs her powers so that she can uh, get the Dark One's dagger and all this kind of stuff. It turns out that Anastasia has vanished. I'm going to assume, and either one of you can correct me, I'm going to assume that Anastasia vanished when Gothel left her alone in her apartment? Is, is that what we're assuming? That's gotta be it. Maybe yeah, that's what I'm guessing. There was, there was no other time when it, they were actually together or when Anna ran away. So it's gotta be that time. Maybe okay. Anna left after she found out Gothel killed her mother. No, I don't think she knows that. Maybe she, like, found out somehow or just kind of assumed? I mean, maybe that she never just... Maybe she never went back to Gothel's apartment after Gothel made her leave after the whole resurrection ceremony, whatever. Oh. Maybe she just never went well, back. Well, no, I think she did go back because that's when uh, Rogers goes in. Remember, she hides in the closet. So I feel like <laughs> when she left with Rogers, she that's when... Anna probably left, I'm going to assume. Just because we haven't seen her with uh, Gothel since then. So, yeah, it was a, that was a weird little plot point that they referenced because it hadn't been referenced before. Because yeah. we all assumed, obviously, that uh, Ivy was looking for her sister because, uh, you know, she just was. Because Gothel had taken her. So it's, it was a little weird that Gothel was also looking for her. And so... Uh, Ivy ends up getting one of the heart-shaped boxes of chocolates that uh, the uh, serial killer has been leaving around for its victims. Apparently it was left downstairs for her. And so uh, Gothel fills her in that it, this killer has been attacking those associated with the coven, but Ivy really isn't hearing it or having it. She has she wants nothing to do with Gothel. But later on that night, when she leaves uh, the premises, she does get attacked by the masked serial killer, in, in which we learn in this episode it's being called the Candy Killer. And uh, Ivy does make it out uh, alive. Uh, she ends up fighting back. And even though she has a knife to her throat, she does. Uh, she is able to walk away and uh, is able to run and flee to safety. So she heads on over to Ronnie's and she approaches Regina for help. And obviously Regina is not having it. But Ivy's like, you know, the killer. You know, I was going to 
try to find my sister to make amends, but the killer, like, literally, I had a knife to my throat. Uh, please help me. Initially, Regina's like, you know, can you come up with a cure for what you did to Henry? And obviously she's like, I can't. You know, I set myself up in a box, basically. There's no magic here. I can't help. I can't undo anything. But please, you know, please, please, please help me. And, um, you know, if there's anything in you that, that can help, please. And so she does say that she will talk to Rumple. She's like, you know, I've been in a similar situation to you, but, uh, you know, just know that if anyone's going to kill you, it's going to be me. And so uh, Ivy is approached by Samdi and uh, he basically fills her in that he knows all about her. She doesn't seem to know him, so this is her introduction to him. And Samdi basically tells her that, you know, we are both at risk from this killer. You know, here are the cards. The card says that you know, this is what you've been going through. And it also has a means for you to survive this. He has a magic bean, and he will provide it to her. And uh, he basically explains things in, in two kind of ways. Either A... You leave Hyperion Heights, and uh, you leave your sister, and uh, Goffle ends up killing her, you know, extracting her powers and killing her. Or you can use your sister's magic, you know, basically killing her, and uh, you can escape, you know, at... Uh, both ends of the road, your sister will die regardless. So you can either use it to your advantage or not. And Ivy's like, well, I don't know how I can get her attention. And so he provides her with the answer with the lanterns. So let's pause right here because I want to sort of uh, break down two scenes, two sequences. Ivy with the candy killer and Ivy with Samdi. Katie, talk to me about Ivy with the Candy Killer. What did you think of that sequence? Okay, so if anyone has seen Criminal Minds, this, the sequence with the Candy Killer is, like, coming after her 100% reminded me of, like, the beginning of a Criminal Minds episode. I don't even know. It was really funny and terrifying. That ugh. Katie was laughing through the whole thing. Probably, yeah sort of but no no like the mask was creepy it was it was really creepy but I really did I mean like enjoy it you know sort of you know if you can enjoy that kind of a scene I guess you can say um because it sets the tone for how desperate she is to get to figure this out and to get herself to safety because you know, she's gone through, I mean, this is terrifying. If this happened to me, I would be horrified. And I would want to find any possible way to get to safety. So, you know, it really sets a tone for where she's coming from in this, um, in this, the rest of this episode. And Heather, I want you to tackle Ivy with Samdi. What did you think of their scene together? I really enjoyed having Sam D come in and put his two cents in there. It was really weird on several levels because he's just talked to Regina about how, you know, he's told Regina what his end goal is and 
how he's going to do pretty much whatever he can to achieve that end goal. And then here we see him actually acting out what we initially believe is him, his plots and his plans coming to fruition. But it's, I loved it. It was so, the guy who plays him, it's, his name is Daniel something. Daniel, Daniel Francis. Francis. Daniel Francis. He has done an amazing job with that character. Every time he's on screen, I, I'm gonna. Any time that he pops up, I, I know that I'm going to enjoy the scene coming up. I'm sorry, Jeff, unless he's with Regina, and then I'm kind of still on the fence about it. Um, but, we'll be discussing that later. It's okay. Um, but I thought this was a really interesting moment as far as both he and Ivy go because Ivy's given this opportunity to change she's been on this path of you know redemption and we we've assumed that she's going to go the straight and narrow and in this moment she's presented with an opportunity to do the right thing or to do the slightly less right thing and it's interesting which way she goes with that and I think it shows a lot of that even though she is on the path to redemption, she's still got to stumble a couple of times. And I'm really, really interested to see what Samdi is up to later on as well. So I just, I really enjoyed this scene, and I thought that the two characters, the two actors played very well off each other as well. So. Yeah, I totally agree. I loved this scene because we got a lot of information in, uh, you know, with, I should say, minimal dialogue. Ivy does not know Dr. Facilier, so that means that their paths did not face-to-face -face cross in the magical forest. That could be a good thing, depending on whether you want redemption or whether you're really questioning uh, the evilness of uh, Dr. Facilier's true intentions in uh, Hyperion Heights. Uh, also, he knew everything that was going on, and uh, she was taken aback by that a little bit. I loved the moment in which he put the drink down and he like slides it to her and then she slides it away. Like it was just, they were magic together. I'm really sad that uh, this was like their first scene together. I really would have loved to have seen their interplay a little bit more. I thought uh, both of them had really great sort of villain chemistry together. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised and um, just cheering on for that scene. I actually rewound it and watched it a couple of times because I just really enjoyed that scene. So let's continue on. So Anna ends up getting the message. She finds the lanterns and she finds uh, Ivy and uh, Ivy's like, you know, come on, I've got a magic bean. You know, let's let's go away together forever. You know, the, just the two of us. And as Anna gets close to her, they embrace, and this, that, or the other, we see that uh, Ivy has some sort of magic, uh, magic powder that she blows on uh, Anna that Facilier gave her to knock her out. And so Ivy takes Anna back to Samdi, who's at the Belfry Tower, and um, they start trying to, uh, I guess, drain Anna of her magic powers to give it to uh, the bean so that the bean can work. But they are interrupted by Gothel, who ends up waking Anna up, and uh, it was really funny. 
because during the whole commotion, we just see Facilier get out, basically. He hightails it out of there in the most spectacular way possible because, let's be honest, we probably out would have as well. And so this altercation ends up happening, this confrontation between the three of them. We have Gothel on one side basically goading Anastasia to kill her sister. And we've got Anna basically confronting Ivy over everything. And Ivy's basically like, you know, I understand how you feel. I understand that, that I've done horrible things. But deep down inside, you know, I've always loved you. You know, you're my sister. And, uh, you know, she's like, uh, she uh, she knows that every, it looks wrong what she was doing but she was cornered into um cor put into a corner basically by gothel and she's like everything that i've done has been uh, you know cheered on by gothel you know gothel planted the seeds you know gothel has this greater scheme in which she needed to separate us because she wants to use you so she used me to to basically force me to break up our bond and we can't give into Gothel's control. And so, just when it looked like Anna was about to kill her sister, you know, Ivy ends up dropping her weapon, and she's like, you know, we need to come together. And uh, Anastasia agrees, and much to Gothel's chagrin. And so, uh, there's this great line from Ivy that basically is like, you know, this is what sisterhood, you know, really looks like, basically sort of paraphrasing what she says. And Gothel sort of slithers away in defeat. And uh, Regina and uh, Weaver end up showing up. We're going to get into their discussion uh, a little bit later when we sort of talk about Regina and uh, Samdi. So they end up showing up, and they see what ended up happening. They see proof that Facilier was there, but they are relieved to see that Ivy and Anna are, are together. They made it alive together, and that uh, it seems as if they are headed into a positive direction. Ivy goes and apologizes to Regina for everything that she's done, the curse, everything with Henry and whatnot, and um, Regina says that... Uh, she doesn't necessarily forgive her, but she's going to afford her something that she had always been craving, you know, when she was on her redemptive arc, and that is someone that will believe that she can change. And so, Anna was like, you know, it, it, was it true about the bean? Is it true? And uh, Ivy's like, yeah, but I, I don't know how to use it. And uh, Anastasia's like, you know, I, I think I can figure it out. And so they hold hands. The bean starts to glow. They toss it. It turns into one of those uh, Doctor Strange portals. And uh, it leads them back to their realms where they will be safe from... Uh, Gothel and her plans on using Anastasia's magic and that kind of thing. And there's even a really great line about um, that that uh, Weaver gives about uh, it, it's great to see you know that they get their happy ending. You know maybe this will end up um, you know doing some good for us even though uh, the Guardian is uh, going away. So uh, 
let's pause right here. And let's break this down. Jenna Pace. Okay, now what this did you think? Is... Oh. <laughs> Sometimes I swear you're like flash with that. Anyways, um, um, so this is the subplot that I think annoyed me the most and that a lot of my issues with the episode came. I felt like things were, I guess, looser than usual. Like, Once Upon a Time sometimes has loose things like relying on contrivances and cliches and, so- and such to solve really complicated problems. And usually it really doesn't bother me, but here it kind of does. I feel like Drizella was so willing to go along with this, with, with Facilier's plan, right until Anna wakes up and actually is, as one would expect it, be angry about it, be liable to turn on her, because, I mean, unless she did actually know that Gothel killed her mother, Gothel hasn't been nearly as evil toward... Ne- ne- eh, hasn't been nearly as outwardly evil towards Anastasia as Drizella has been, and we can and we can kind of assume that Gothel's been giving her a frick ton of paranoia. I mean, a propaganda. So, so far, in the time that she's been awake, Anastasia's seen her sister try to steal her magic, and yeah, twice. And I think, like, Anastasia might have died had this one worked, had this magic drain worked out, but I'm not 100% sure. Can either, can anyone clarify that one way or the other? Yeah, I think, I thought she, I thought he was saying that she would die. Yeah, I think, I thought so too. Anyways, yeah, so she's going to be upset, so it kind of feels like, it, it just feels like, of course Anastasia's going to hate gonna hate her and not want to be on Drizella's side, and she's going just with this very weak argument to try to get Anastasia back on her side, and it somehow works, and not with Anastasia be having all this resentment. Like, even Regina had little bits of resentment towards Zelina after, after like, finding out they were sisters and finding, and, like, after, even after Zelina was able to kill Hades for her, and Anastasia, who hasn't at least, who, who doesn't have, like, who doesn't have a similar epiphany or similar things happen, is going to react in that similar way. Like, they have small memories of their, of their childhood, sure, but I don't feel that it's, I don't feel that the story of sisterhood they've told us is strong enough to make this, ter- make, Anastasia's choice, not only to not kill Ivy, but to willingly go to another realm to live with her, away from anyone who would be willing to help her, which is a fair amount of people in Hyperion Heights, because, you know, they're all heroes and such. So, for me, it's a little difficult. And then, with Regina's line about craving somebody who would give her a second chance, or, like, an escape... That also kind that I didn't think about it until you were mentioning in your recap, Jeff. But that kind of irked me because, especially in flashbacks, Regina's all Regina's been offered a lot of second chances by Snow, by Tinkerbell, uh, even in the novel by the Blue Fairy, and she's and she doesn't and she didn't take it. I mean, well, no, took- that isn't that isn't what she was conveying. She was saying she hopes that. What she's giving her is someone that can see that they can change. It isn't ne- necessarily a second chance or that kind of thing. 
Which, if you go back and you look at all the storylines in which she was headed on a road to redemption, a lot of people didn't believe that she was headed on a road to redemption. The entire town was against her. They kept on calling her the evil queen. So I can understand and empathize with what Regina was saying. Yeah, but that's only kind of once she took, once she went to uh, such an extreme, when she was back in the Enchanted Forest and Snow halted her edge. Her well, I think she's correlating her, like, the fact that they both cast curses and that kind of thing. I, I think you're thinking on a micro level when she was speaking more on a macro level. I'm, I mean, I'm, I actually would say that's reversed, but in any event, I guess just turning that aside more to the point of Ivy and Drizella, and then, I don't know, just, it felt so weird that they were just able to make a bean work by combining their magic and such. I don't know. For me, this felt very loose. It felt like a really weird turn that didn't make emotional sense. And I think that's because we didn't get to see a lot of time spent with the two sisters. A lot of it has been in the back. There's been so much resentment. There's been all this resentment. There hasn't been enough happiness shown between the two of them. We All we really had was that little flashback to go on. So, I just don't feel that the events in this part worked, just because, yeah, I I don't really feel that, I feel like it wasn't taking, Drizella's character fell into line, but I feel like that's the only, she's the only person who did fall into line, if that makes sense. So, yeah, um, that's my piece on that. Well... I think I speak for the rest of us, maybe, in saying I disagree. I liked it. I did. I bought it. I was perfectly fine with it. Uh, I didn't think it was their magic combined. I think it's Anastasia because she is the guardian and she has like extra special magic powers. I think she was the one that activated it. Um, but uh, I, I did. I liked it. I sort of bought into it. I read uh, some internet comments. A lot of people were like, well, she was so hell-bent on killing her, and now she wants to save her, and that kind of thing. I didn't mind it. I mean, Ivy was sort of placed into a corner. Like, she was thinking about survival, to be quite honest. And uh, as Facilier sort of put it, it seemed like Anastasia was going to die anyway. So might as well be the one that lives and, and you know, goes to try to uh, escape to a second chance. You know, might as well take advantage of that situation. Uh, I do think that Facilier sort of uh, painted things differently. I, I do think he saw what really happened uh, happening. Uh, obviously, Ivy didn't. I, I feel like you know you can't really tell people their fortune because if not, you know it's it, you know you kind of you kind of have to let fate play out uh, by itself. But um, I thought that. The way that they did it, it was a little bit rushed, I will say, all of the exposition and that kind of thing, but uh, I sort of was fine with it, to be quite honest. I thought their bond as sisters kind of could make up for the fact that uh, Gisela was doing sort of nefarious stuff. If you think about it, it was just sort of like trying to steal her magic and that kind of thing. It wasn't that she was really, at least, you know, initially, it wasn't like she was trying to kill her and that kind of thing. As far as how Anna would feel afterwards, I'm sure they're going to have a whole bunch of talks where they are now. But um, I do like that 
Ivy gets a second chance because she has been on a road to redemption, at least from what we've seen. And I do like that uh, Anastasia is alive as well. I was very surprised that they both made it out alive in the storyline. I think Katie and I, during our spoiler shows, basically every week was like, Ivy's dying in this episode. It it just made the most sense. <laughs> you know, it had been reported that Adelaide Kane, that this was supposedly her final episode as a full-time series regular so we were like she's gonna die she might do something heroic that leads to her death or something like that you know to sort of continue on the redemptive arc but i think we both assumed that she was gonna die what i do think is really fascinating is that anastasia never filmed any scenes outdoors which is really really interesting i'm trying to think back to and, and I probably won't be able to think of anyone just because it, it's so many episodes, but I don't think we've ever really had a character on the show in which they didn't film outdoors at all. I mean, there was a little scene in which we saw Anna sort of like, you know, in an alleyway, but that could have easily have been filmed or inside as well in a studio. So it's really interesting that she never filmed outdoors. I mean, besides, if you want to count, like, the woods and, and that kind of thing, that's kind of a, a hidden, protected type of thing. I mean, she wasn't outdoors in Hyperion Heights, where the paparazzi and, you know, the local Vancouver Once Upon a Time fans would have snapped a picture of her. So I think that's really fascinating. Because uh, Katie and I sort of talked about it at one point, that we were surprised that Anastasia was in as many episodes as she was up until, you know, like the mid-season premiere and that kind of thing, because there were no accounts of, like, her filming outdoors. So it's really interesting what they did with Anna. They really kept her a secret, and uh, that was kind of interesting and unique in and of itself. So any other thoughts on the sisters and uh, their storyline in this episode and were you happy that they got a happy ending were you happy that they got a happy beginning um i did want to make a comment on ivy on ivy's whole character right fast because um they the writers made such a clever choice in the creation of ivy and just because of where they set her up. So where Ivy started when we when we first started this episode, uh, this, this season, she and and where she ended up, she and Regina run such parallels with one another. It's it's almost the same story, but it's not. You know, they both had these verbally abusive mothers who wanted to control them, who had you know the, their plans for who they were going to be, or didn't really care about how their daughters felt about it. And then they both cast these curse, these these horrible curses over the lands, out of vengeance and out of you know hatred. And then to see Ivy at the end, who to have her come to this place where she has one final stumbling block and then makes the 100% right choice by putting down, by saying, telling Anna, look, it's this isn't this shouldn't be about us anymore because this is the choices that I've made that I've made mistakes not on you and that was just, it was a beautiful moment but I just there was a line in it where um Gothel or she's where when um Ivy's talking about how Gothel pushed and nudged her 
on the road that she was on. And that was very interesting in relation to Regina, who had Rumpelstiltskin, who was there pushing and nudging her on her road towards casting the Dark Curse, and Gothel pushing um, Ivy towards the Dark Curse. Was just it's, It runs so parallel, and it's so beautiful. But Ivy had the benefit of having Regina, who also helped teach her, and having Anastasia, who really wanted her to be the person that she should be. The, with Anna, she wanted it to be her sister, to be this good person. Uh, Regina didn't want to see Ivy making those same mistakes. And it worked so well in this episode to the point where I'm not even sad that Ivy's gone as a season regular because I feel like her story got such a wonderful completion from one end to the other. All right. I definitely agree okay, with ahead, that. Katie. Yeah, I was actually I just about agree. to ask you, so I was like, you're the only one that hasn't said anything, and I'm sure you have some insight. I I definitely agree with what Heather said um, about this being a perfect ending for Drizella's character because she, for all of the reasons that Heather said, um, it I was 100% surprised that she didn't die. Like, I thought when she and Anastasia went through the portal that we were, we still had a couple minutes or whatever left. I thought we were going to see Gothel somehow get to the land and like kill her because I was under the assumption for some reason that she was going to die. Like that was what was going to happen. So I think that was the biggest plot twist for me was that she did not die surprisingly. And that made me happy because I do, I really like her character. Um, And, you know, with Regina, we had all of these seasons to see her growth and to see everything that's happened with her. And we've only had a little more than half a season with Drizella. And yet, it does. I don't feel like we were cheated on anything. I don't feel like anything was super rushed. Um, I feel like we got a good character arc with her. We got a lot of good scenes with her. And it ended on a really good note. Um, it, I just really appreciated it. I love the way that they ended it with her and her sister going to start over and to have a life together and figure out who they are and what they can do, um, from here on out. Uh, there was a lot of whiplash with her character in this episode just for the fact that, you know, she went back and forth on what she was going to do. You know, was she going to... Um, use Anastasia to get herself to the other land? Um, Was she going to try to um, get both of them to the other land? She was very desperate in this episode after we saw her attacked by the candy killer. She was very desperate, and that's that's one flaw to her character is that she's always out looking for herself and looking for what's the best thing for her. And that kind of lined up really well with um, her actions toward the middle of this episode before the end. Um, You know, she didn't want to hurt her sister, but if it comes down to her, you know, like helping herself, she's always going to choose herself. And she said that her, she said that too. Um, that lines up with her character and what she's done throughout the season. Um, 
but at the end we see that she makes the wise choice. And I really appreciated that, that she um, did ultimately end up making the best decision um, that benefited both she and her sister. Um, Yeah, we really didn't get to see the repercussions um, totally of Anastasia's, you know, reactions to what Ivy had just done, but it's only a 40-whatever-minute show. Um, We can assume that they will work it out in the other realm. Is it a shame we didn't get to see it on screen? Yes, but... I'm not terribly upset by it. Um, I'm just, I loved the ending that they had for their characters. I loved that line. I think Giselle said something about this is the power of sisterhood. And it's very true um, as someone who has only sisters. Um, it's something that's very true and really struck home, I guess you could say. Um, but I really appreciate it. I really, really liked it and um, liked their arc. And I appreciate that they did not kill them. That was a big plot twist, and I loved it. Totally. And uh, listeners, just in case, if you were curious, another reason why Katie can sort of relate is because she did end up casting a dark curse many years ago. Shh. You're not oh. supposed to talk about it. Come on. I apologize. <sighs> I'm the only one that's awake besides Katie. Man, you know, we've been on this podcast for as long as anybody can remember. And that yeah. makes sense now. Yeah, see? Boom, 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 boom. People are starting to wake up. <laughs> me. Oh my gosh. That's too funny. Okay, so let's get into another teeny tiny little storyline. And actually, well... It's going to sort of uh, be slightly adjacent to another teeny tiny little storyline, just because I don't know where else to fit it. So we start off seeing Weaver in the episode, and he is putting back together the chipped cup. And there's a great little moment with Rogers, and this is where we learn that the name of the serial killer is the Candy Killer. And he ends up seeing some uh, camera footage of Anastasia outside of a warehouse, which leads him to do a little bit of investigating. So I'll handle this separately, just because uh, I do want to get into like Shadow Queen, because you know we're going to veer into a very different direction. So uh, Jenna, what did you think okay. of the chipped? cup's reappearance oh my god this was such a cute scene so this was kind of one of my two highlights in the episode and you kind of alluded to the second one shadow queen (laughs) i'm sorry i think i have a little cough anyways this scene was great um it's interesting to see how the relationship um before i get into the chip cup it's really interesting to see how the relationship between this wish hook and this rumple has developed i think because of the events of nightfall with the flashback like because not only is rumple kind of cooled down because like of his redemption but killian's cooled down because of alice it's made these two work together a little better to the point where they can kind of have jokes and offer to like order food and spend time working on a case it doesn't feel as bitter as it felt like a, like 10 episodes ago it's kind of something unique about... There's something unique about them. And I just enjoy it a lot. Um, well, And of course, like the curse that Andy kind of puts that 
gives another dimension to that. But yeah, I'm glad. I'm I love seeing where this partnership has gone. Also, I love that little bit about going through a lot of jam now that Tilly's living in the now that Tilly's living with him. That is just so cute. I love these little bits of Night Rook in the episodes that don't have a lot of them. So yeah, it's it just uh, just a reminder they're living together, and and Rogers is buying Tilly a lot of jam. That's my jam. Yeah. Um, now <laughs> onto the chipped cup. I really like the small subtle way that Belle was kind of put into the episode. She's a bit of Rumple's conscience, Rumple's conscious conscience, but not completely. Like. He, like, she's supplemental, and I think that's kind of a great direction for Rumpel's character to be going, where things are hard, and he's got to make some hard choices, and Belle is able to help him a little bit, but at the same time, he's making that choice. You see where, you see where the, her support comes in, like, in its bit ways, and I think that's a, I think that was a great direction, Rumple really worked. Rumple worked in that context a lot, and how that goes into the later parts of the episode, um, especially like the ending with Anastasia and Ivy. He was his approach to that was admirable. It was smart and it was nice. So yeah, that's my take. So let's get into Shadow Queen. So yes. remember. Ronnie told Ivy that she was going to speak to Weaver, and so she does while they're searching for Anna, Anastasia. I just love saying it the way Tremaine did, because it was a very extra, for lack of a better word. So well, you know, that's her, right? I know. So they're searching <laughs> for her, and this, that, or the other, and they start talking about uh, Samdi. But he's basically like, you know, you do know that I know about you and your little boyfriend, and you you know that I know what he wants. He wants my dagger, and you're just going to sit there and let him do it, and this, that, or the other. And, you know, they have a very interesting talk where basically we learn that Rumple is not approving of uh, of uh, Samdi at all. And he's basically wondering, like, why is Regina sort of, um, for lack of a better word, fucking with him? Like, why are you messing with him? Why are you getting into this? It doesn't make any sense. Like, he is obviously going to do something nefarious, so you need to snap out of it, lady, is basically what he says. In uh, really not in those words, but close enough. So, later on in the episode, after everything that happened in the Belfry Towers, Regina returns to Ronnie's, and Samdi's there. And uh, she's obviously mad that he uh, sort of meddled in uh, what's going on. And uh, he is like, I knew that the sisters would end up finding each other again they will be reunited i knew that it would end in a positive type of direction and she's confused well then why did you meddle why did you do all of this why were you involved and so he goes basically and tells her that you know i got this it turns out that he siphoned a teeny 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 I'm going to do it the way that I did it before. A teeny, teeny, tiny little bit of Anastasia's magic. 
And uh, she's like, what are you going to do with that? You know, is this part of your quest to get the Dark One's dagger? Is this something nefarious? This, that, or the other? And he's like, no, I got it for you. I want you to use this to help your son. And she's like, well, what's the price? You know, there has to be a price. You know, what's, what do I owe you for this? And he goes, I just want to see your smile. And so she accepts the magic. She smiles. And afterwards, we see Samdi out on the streets of Hyperion Heights. And there's this big bad showdown uh, with the Dark One. And uh, basically, the Dark One's like, I know what you want. You know, why, you know, basically, you're not going to get it. And uh, Samdi's like, uh, well, actually, no, um, Rumpel also says, you know, anyone who gets the dagger, you know, it's always a curse, you know, it's never what you expect it to be, and all this kind of stuff, and so Sam D is basically like, yeah, but don't you want to be reunited with Belle, and I know you're not going to do anything to me because that's going to ruin your chances, and basically the whole point of the conversation was Weaver telling or I should say Rumpel, telling Facilier, I got my eyes on you, and I know what your plan is. And Facilier basically saying, yeah, and what? So, let's break this down. And uh, let's first start off with Shadow Queen. And I'm going to start it off because I love them. Uh, I was completely surprised, yet uh, really like giddily excited that... Uh, Facilier basically acquired some magic for Regina so that she can figure out how to help Henry. I thought it was very sweet and kind and magical and wonderful. And something that we've all sort of toyed with, the idea that Facilier is working with Gothel, I feel like has completely been squashed in this episode because Gothel and Facilier didn't address each other Gothel and Facilier, you know, they didn't do what villains do, like, oh, I know you, or like, what are you doing here meddling and blah, blah, blah. Either they're totally trying to fake us out, or they genuinely aren't working with each other. And if they aren't genuinely working with each other, I feel like Facilier's redemptive path can be a little bit more smooth than if they were working together. So... As of this episode, as of like viewing this episode, as of seeing this episode until the end, I feel like Facilier is not working with Gothel. And I do believe that he was um, true in, in his wish to Regina and in acquiring the magic for her. I feel like maybe he read the cards and he knew how it would end up, but you know, might as well take advantage of the situation and grab a little magic for his bill or his potential bill or his previous bill. Now, as far as him and, well, actually, I'll go into that afterwards, because I do have an opinion on him and the dagger and the dark ones. But let's talk solely on Shadow Queen first. Katie, since you're a little bit more positive, I think, than Heather, mm -hmm. I want to get the positivity first before mm -hmm. we get dragged down into the gutter by Heather. <laughs> I'll bring you down. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. I... I am very interested in the relationship. I still, I liked this scene a lot in this episode. I still feel like I need more. I need more to really judge. But from what we did see, I did enjoy it. 
I like the way that they play off of each other. Um, I'm just so curious, and I feel like we need more. Um, so I'm hoping in these next, you know, last set of episodes we're going to get a lot. Um, I will say I was very suspicious because I'm like, there's got to be a catch. He's lying to her. There's got to be some catch. But if there's not, I will be very happy. Um, It will make him less of a nefarious character than what we would picture picture him as. Um, Because from what we've seen, he's always very suspicious. He's always trying to work things for what he wants and to get all this magic. Um, But to see him in a different light where he's, you know, actually doing something, from what we know, actually doing something to help someone else who he had previously loved or still loves was a, a nice side to see of him. It didn't feel wrong. Um, I did enjoy it, um, but I'm, I still feel like I still need more. I need more to really judge how I feel. But I do like the way that the characters or the actors play off of each other. They do have really good chemistry. So I'm just looking for more. I need more scenes. Okay, Heather, you can be mean. Well, I won't be. I won't be mean. Um, too bad. We will ban you I, to uh, <laughs> Jenna's boxcar mediocrity. Hey, I like this part. I'll just take like the sidecar <laughs> of mediocrity. I'm not on the full train. <laughs> she's just there. I, she's just there for the buffet dinner. That's right. <laughs> Rub and shrimp. Woo. Um. Katie and I are having lobster. <laughs> I'll that sit on the sidecar and have my PB and J. There you go. Um, Simple. <laughs> I I don't know. I liked I I liked the twist with Vasilier because um whenever they when when we were watching the scene with he his interactions with um, Drizella over Anastasia, it really felt like, he was disappointed in the choices that Drizella was making. Just one of the moments, I think it was a moment where he told her, where she was asking about, well, is this going to kill her? And Vasilier is like, well, what do you care? You're here doing this anyway. So it felt like Vasilier was disappointed in what her actions were. So in that moment, I was kind of like, I don't feel like he's acting towards what what we're supposed to think he's acting towards. And but and by the end of this the scene that we're talking about now that made more sense to me it made more sense that he was acting for regina than that he was acting for his own goals at the, well i mean i guess they were his own goals but his overarching evil plan um as far as he and regina go i'm still not feeling it and i really want to because i think that it's i love those two characters so much and i think that they're so interesting and they do have a nice they have nice chemistry as far as their their back and forth, you know, how they talk and how they their banter with one another is great. But it's it feels more like her relationship with Rumpelstiltskin or her relationship with Hook than it does with what her relationship with Robin felt like at this point. So I'm hopefully optimistic about Shadow Queen, but I don't know how I feel about it. I was far more interested in his in uh 
Vasilier scenes with Rumpelstiltskin in this episode than I was with his scene with Regina. You liked her with Robin. I will pray for you, child. <laughs> hey. I mean, it I wasn't Robin at first too. When yeah, Robin but you did him at the end, Katie. Character. Be honest. Well, <laughs> what were you saying, Heather? Before you when Robin was a <laughs> when Robin was a fully fledged character, I liked him. Yes, and Regina. Both of happens. you smell of forest. <laughs> I use pine cones for money. There you go. Jenna, I know you want to get into some Shadow Queen. Come on, yeah, bring it to me, baby. First, I just want to do a, a kind of a little bit of a rebuttal to what Heather was saying. Oh, about. I, you can take all the time in the world to do that, please. <laughs> Thank you. Sidecar of shame like how now. relationship is a bit different than it was with Robin. I kind of like how this relationship is a different thing. Like, you know, some some relationships are are different. Her relate Emma's relationship with Graham was different than her relationship with Killian. Um, it's more grown up. So forth. Mary Margaret was different with Whale than she was with Charming. Um, any event, in uh, in any event, I love Shadow Queen. That that was the highlight of this episode for me. Um, Facilier, I like his little twist. How it's like he was going all diabolical. I feel like he is the, he. Almost more than Gothel in a lot in a lot of respects is the kind of person who really does just get how humans work, like because he's he's interacted with so many people because of his because of like his thing as a as a shadow man as the magic man he's he interacts with a ton of people he gets to know their desires their wishes what they're willing to do so it makes sense to me that he kind of like knew how to play this game with Anastasia and and Drizella and how he the twist about how he's ending up using it to help Regina it's for me it's really clever and it does make his and it does make a potential redemption for him so much easier to swallow because when you list out his sins compared compared to like other villains who've had a redemption even even like Ivy it it's such a it's a smaller list and it's kind of like you can see some of his shadowy things are also shadowy good things. He's chaotic. He's chaotic good. He's I'm gonna do a I can do a good thing. I'm just gonna do it in my own way. Kind of like how Rumple can. Kind of like how Rumple can be in some respects. Um, but anyway, the just the the smile that Regina gives Facilier when she, when she realizes that. He got this for her, and all he re- and all he requires, and all he wants to do is just make her smile because he wants to help her. He wants he did this thing for her. That smile just could melt butter. It's beautiful. I feel the chemistry between the two of them. Daniel Francis is a great actor, and his chemistry with Lana is divine. We haven't gotten more. We haven't gotten a lot of a story with them, and like Katie, I genuinely hope that we get one soon. I'm kind of rooting for it in an up, in an upcoming episode. Mm-hmm. But at same the time, here. For as little as we've gotten of them, it's gone such a long way to make this a dynamic that I care about, and it's kind of amazing how these this dynamic that was only introduced in episode twelve of the final season that's only going to have it most like like 10 episodes of build-up is going to be just such a charming, interesting, compelling romance. Oh, a charming romance. I like that. I don't even think you even tried to do that. 
but so unique. I, I didn't try to do it. It's like the anti-snowing, but still, like, awesome. Yeah, I agree. Their chemistry is ridiculous. I like seeing them together. It's magic. Oh, it's just like, dude, tone it down. It's so hot. I feel like I gotta take off my jacket or something when this episode's go. When those two are together. Oh my. Yeah. I'm gonna assume that was it. So, do should we move into? What are we gonna call them? Uh, Golden Shadow. <laughs> Not that I'm shipping them, but I mean they're the little scene together. I ship it. Alright, there you go. So let's talk about Rumple and the Shadow Man together. And uh, I'm going to say this first because I feel like this is what's going to end up happening. Even though they've built up Dr. Facili as a villain and as someone who does villainous things, I do agree with you, Jen, in the sense that he is kind of rumply in the sense that rumple even though he did do villainous things in the past when he was extra juicy woo, woo, he was much more the type of person that would do things that would be advantageous to him sometimes it would be good sometimes it would be bad this or the other it seems like that might be where they're going with the shadow man and i genuinely think that he wants the dark one dagger but i don't think it's for a nefarious reason. I agree. Yeah, I don't know like, what it is, though. 100% I agree with you. Yeah, I don't know what it is, though. I don't know mm -hmm. what it is, just because, like, we know that we aren't going to be seeing Belle until the final two episodes. Something that I sort of wrote in myself, you know, like, wrote myself in my head, was, like, maybe because he's a man that's been on the other side, he can talk to people on the other side, like, maybe Belle is somehow communicating with him how to fix the whole Dark One situation. I don't think they would do that, like, off-screen. I feel like Belle is such an important character that if that would have been the route that they're going, that they would have shown that. So I don't think that's where they're going with it. But I wonder how he knows what he's going to do with the dagger, because I feel like it's it's just hitting me that it's not going to be for an evil purpose. Gothel is hell-bent on doing it for an evil purpose. I don't think Facilier is. And so right now he's kind of, you know, he's the, the witch doctor with the cards. He's holding his cards to his chest right now, and he's not showing his hand. But I think think it's all sort of like bluster and bravado and uh, deep down inside he's not gonna he is gonna use it for a good reason versus a bad reason he's not gonna go the gothel route that's my opinion and i like their scene together it's funny how this is the first time that we've seen them together once again another episode of first his first scene with ivy and his first scene with rumple and it was electric like great villainous chemistry together i really really liked them together i didn't expect it obviously you know when rumple sort of talked about him earlier in the episode i was like will they do a scene together i don't know if we're ever gonna see anything in a flashback with them together I'm very hopeful that we will with uh, Facilier and uh, Regina. I don't know if he's going to mix it up with Rumple in a flashback, but uh, they were fantastic together. What about uh, all of you? I'm just going to open the floor up. Thoughts on Rumple and Facilier and their showdown? I got chills when they're that multiplying. 
They were multiplying. Are you losing control? Oh, it's getting close. Because the power? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the rest of the song. Is it electrifying? <laughs> That's as far as my grease knowledge goes. You better shape up, Heather. <laughs> because okay. we need a woman. And our hearts are set on you. That's about as far as we're going to go. Continue on, Heather. <laughs> um, I, I, I loved that. That was probably one of the scenes that um, was one of my favorite scenes of the show, bec uh, of the entire episode, because whenever Vasily is walking down to his car and Rumple just turns that corner, I was like, ooh, it's about to go down. And the just the way that they spoke to one another, and it's two of my favorite characters that are on the show right now, so it was fantastic, and they had amazing villainous chemistry. And I really do agree with you, Jeff, that there's more to what Vasilier is doing than what we currently know. And I don't think it's nefarious because, like, I, I when it, when um, on my second or third watch through, I was thinking about what if he's even maybe a guardian that we're looking for. So mm -hmm. that's I a possibility that maybe. too. So I'm excited to see where those two characters go, and I would much rather have scenes with the two of them than I would with Regina and Vasilier. I'm so sorry. You're, You're not mean, but... Sidecar of... <laughs> Sidecar of shame. Sidecar of shame. <laughs> Yes, you're mean, but I, I get what you're saying as far as the other stuff that you said. I don't co-sign that last statement. The only thing <laughs> that's like a teeny tiny... What's up with me and the teeny tiny of this podcast? But the only thing that's a teeny tiny little thorn in my paw is what he's doing with Tiana. I hope that what he's doing with Tiana also is something that's a little bit more good than nefarious that you know it may seem like it's shady and and whatnot but it's it's much more in the vein of helping tiana or that kind of thing or it's something that's forgivable that's the only thing because we haven't really touched on that since the tiana episode with uh drew so i guess we're gonna have to wait and see they've got a lot to cover fortunately we do have uh, like five more episodes left in Hyperion Heights, I believe, if uh, I think that's correct. So I hope they clear that up soon. Any other thoughts on uh, Weaver and Samdi? They rock. Uh, it was just it was just a really interesting scene, and I'm curious to see what Rumple's going to do now that we know that his daggers at that his dagger's at stake. But I'm I'm also kind of wondering what can Facilier do, because Rumpel's a detective with a million hiding spots and evidence room that probably only detectives can get into. So, I mean, I get Samdi's kind of well, pretty wealthy, so unless we're kind of like going with a he's going to buy the law, he's going to make buy laws. Oh! <laughs> It's good to be positive again. I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> it only goes up from here. Oh, <laughs> yes. This is where I shine. I didn't get it. Yeah. But you have to remember, Samdi's got friends on the other side. True, but just oh, how much does he have? Well, That's that is true, too. I guess we're going to have to wait and see. It's really interesting and fascinating, and uh, it was perfect. 
So, let's get into the major storyline that I know all of you want to talk about. I have to give all of you gold stars, golden apples, because you all behaved, and you didn't bring it up, and you all are wonderful, although Heather sort of, like, lightly, she got very close to the line. She did not cross it. Do I get, like, a silver star instead? No, it's golden, even <laughs> oh, though okay. even though I don't agree with, um, you know. <laughs> Shadow My Queen side Yes. <laughs> But let's get into it. So after getting a few hints throughout the episode, because Nick was all, well, he wasn't like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to like paint it as if he was like obsessed with like, you know, so what's going on with the killer? But he did bring it up. He was like, so what's going on with the case? You know, oh, candy killer and this, that, and the other. And then we got that little nugget of information in the flashback about uh, Gretel's brother Hansel allegedly uh, going off the deep end from his encounter with uh, the witch and uh, changing his name and setting off for adventures. We find out that Jack is really Hansel and he is the candy killer because uh, he has some sort of car issue. I think he had a flat tire. He had to fix it. And when he opened the trunk, we see that mask that Katie loves, and we also see boxes of chocolates and that sort of thing. Although, why do you keep the chocolates in the trunk if they're gonna melt? I'm just saying, although he's, like, killing these people, like, at least present them with, like... It's cold. Yeah, it's cold. And he's a cold-blooded killer. (laughs) I guess. We can go with that. So, Nick is Jack... Is Hansel. Bum, bum, bum. I'll start this could... off. Oh, wait, were you, are you going to do a pun? Could... Yes. I guess we could say we didn't know Jack about him. Oh! That one was actually <laughs> good. I think that that's the best one. Good. And that's better than all the Smee ones. Listeners, get ready for... Listeners, get ready for Smee next week. <laughs> Smee leave it, people. Okay. I love this twist because it was completely unexpected. Yes, it was out of left field, but it was with a character that we were introduced to earlier this season via the flashbacks, the uh, magical forest stuff. It made, in my opinion, perfect sense. I believe that whatever we're going to call him, uh, Jaxel, is awake, 100%, and he's hell-bent. He's got this vendetta against these witches, and the reason he's got a vendetta against them is because, A, he was uh, traumatized by whatever happened to him and the Candy Witch, and these witches killed her, her sister. These witches killed his sister. So, I think it makes sense. I feel like this storyline is going to end in the next episode. I do like the build-up. 
if uh, Once Upon a Time wanted to do something different, they did with this. A serial killer on a uh, fairy tale show is kind of spectacular. That scene, I know that Katie sort of talked about it earlier, but now I'm going to address it for a second. That scene with Ivy was straight out of a horror movie. It was spectacular. They're really making this candy killer thing uh, very creepy, and um, that's a good thing, in my opinion. It's refreshing. It's, it's a fresh sort of spin on it and even though it's taken us a year and a half to find out who the candy killer is i'm perfectly fine with the end result and uh i, I thought it was a good enough twist personally i didn't see jack as sketchy in his first scene I, I know that we discussed it and i think there was this whole talk about uh, at one point is was Jack like really Lucy's father? Was there a whole ton of, kind of like love triangle, uh, secret type of thing, affair in the magical forest? I'm glad they didn't go that route. I like that he's a cold blooded killer, he's a psychopath, and I'm here for it. So I didn't see this villainous turn, and I approve of it. So uh, let's see, let's go with the negative first because I feel like Jenna's gonna be negative. Jenna, go ahead. Actually, um. I'm going to be half negative because you have managed to sell me. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Oh. So semi Wait, so I turned Jenna? You I'm excited. <gasps> I said semi. Okay. Anyways, uh, okay, so let me start with the ways that you kind of did semi-sell me. First, you didn't even realize you were doing it. When you brought up, when you were talking about the witches, I was kind of realizing the three witches that, were, that have been killed so far. And those were Dr. Sage, who would have a connection with Jack, because Jack wouldn't, because Dr. Sage knew the results of the, patern the paternity test. Then the blind baker, who could be the blind witch, who kidnapped them in the, fir third, in the first place. And then, who was the third person again? They the, oh, almost Ivy. And, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, uh, fuck, there was something going on with Ivy, or like a reason that he wanted to kill her. And I remember Hello, it. she killed Gretel. There you go, there you go. He, he killed Gretel. Thank Major you. plot Pretty point in the flashback. Okay, 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 shush. And the second reason was something that just came to me a few seconds ago when you were talking. And that would, had been struggling with me for a while. Why would Jack wait to kill witches here? And because it's Hyperion Heights. There's no magic. These witches don't have magic. Mm -hmm. Or if they do have magic, it's less powerful here in a land without magic. So here, he probably was at an extreme disadvantage taking witches down before, but not so much in not so much here in a land without magic where they're just bakers and well, helpless women, especially a helpless woman who'd just been deprived of her magic. So in that respect, it's it's more clever than I thought. I will admit. And then, but there's I don't I think that it came out of left field in a really bad way, just because Jack hasn't done Jack hasn't really done anything as a character. He's been this boring on the side character was a was like a, in a love triangle for all of twelve seconds, dropped off the face of the earth for like half the episode since his introduction. And just hasn't done anything really to resonate with the audience. The well, reason what why did I Lucy say? Nobody wants to be Catherine. 
I guess, but this is like if Catherine was a psychopath. And my other objection is just, we have, I was kind of, I was originally like wondering, hey, what's Jack Steele? What's Jack Steele? And I was kind of coming to a, a feeling that, you know what, we're not going to get it. And I was a little more okay with that because it's like, we only have like seven-ish episodes left to finish a lot of stories. And now suddenly we have to add Jack to this pile of stories too. It just, it kind of felt like too much. It kind of, it felt like too much to put on this kind of boring side character who hasn't contributed much to anything. So, that, and then also, what, how did he get Tilly into the hospital? That, I'm wondering, too. Or was that, or is he, or he and Gothel working together? And why would Gothel want to work with somebody who's, who's killing off her minions? Because now I'm not even, now I don't even think Facilier and Gothel are working together because of Facilier's actions here. I, I don't know. It's like, I'm halfway, this is brilliant. Also, I didn't realize that Jack was Hansel until a friend pointed that out. And I was kind of like, whoa. So, in some ways, in half the ways this twist is brilliant, and half the ways I find it frustrating and just not a good twist. Okay, that's an interesting... So, yeah, I'm. you know what? I'm going to kind of do what Vinny did in the mid-season finale and kind of give it a poison apple where... A poison sleeping apple, where it's like, I guess I'll make my decision on it later, but for right now, I'm just really not happy about it. That's interesting. No, it's fascinating, you know, that you're like half in it and half, ugh. But, yeah, you know, you, that's your opinion, which is fine. Uh, I won't banish you like Heather. But, uh, that, that is interesting. Although, I will say, just to sort of like, piggyback off of your point i don't think he's working with gothel and i feel like the reason why he just picked tilly was because she's kind of like the crazy person in town that yeah but how would... did he get tilly into a hospital holding a scalpel that's what i want to know well no i don't think he got her into the hospital like tilly was already kind of uh, unhinged at that point and uh, she did reference that, you know, if you had been here, you know, I told you, you know, I was basically leading you to, you two being Rogers and Weaver, to the hospital. Like, you should have been here. I think she literally, like, showed up after the killing. She went down to, like, look at the witch and she found the scalpel and probably picked it up or something. Like, I don't think that was necessarily part of Jack's plan. I can understand well, that. Well, no, to I be quite honest, and now I will rewrite what I said. Um, I think because she showed up, and then all of a sudden she became suspect number one, that Jack probably piggybacked on that. Whether he initially intended on framing her or not, because the target was already starting to form on her, I think that's when he just dropped you know, the hair and that kind of stuff. I guess in that case, I would just would have liked to see Jack like make some sort of appearance. If only to kind of like try to cast a little doubt into Rogers during the episode, like maybe Nick and Henry were hanging out or something, and and that way he would at least, like, be a little bit more in on the Candy Killer case, so maybe he has, like, a, maybe he has like a doubt, and it's just quickly pushed away by Henry and Rogers. Just, like, a little bit more something, because, like, real in some respects, I just do feel kind of like he came a little out of nowhere. Eh, again, teach their own, and it's only halfway, so I'm just gonna kinda see how it develops. Alrighty, what about you other two? What did you think of 
the candy killer reveal. Brum, brum, brum. <laughs> I really liked it because I was not expecting it at all. Um, I, I guess I just, I never could have guessed it. And I liked how they did it because for all of the, I mean, it makes sense why all of the random people that he's chosen to kill have been killed. It was the blind witch, which makes sense because it was Hansel, Hansel and Gretel. And I thought that was kind of weird when they showed it because it was the blind witch from Hansel and Gretel. And I thought maybe it just had to do something with the fact that they were killing witches. Um, and then there was the doctor, which, you know, there was a lot of red herrings there because we thought that um, it had something to do with the fact that they don't want it to be revealed that Henry's a father, which is true, but um, I guess I just didn't ever, I never thought it would be Jack. And then going after, um, going after uh, Drizella made a lot of sense, obviously, as we found out, because she killed his sister. Um, it just, I think personally for me that it wrapped up and tied everything in really well. It gave this character who really had no, not that much of a purpose other than to be the Catherine of the story, um, another purpose and to wrap two of the plot lines together to combine them together and kind of wrap them up. I'm assuming they're going to wrap them up at the same time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's very, I thought it was very interesting for me personally and it came as such a shock. I did not expect it leading up to this episode. In this episode, I did definitely start to suspect it because they gave us those little scenes um, where he seemed, like, really interested in the candy killer um, and all these random little things. But, yeah, it just, I liked it um, for me personally. I feel like that was a good route to go. Um, And I'm very interested to see how many answers we're going to get to wrap up the storyline like what um what are we going to see flashbacks what's going to happen so i think it's going to be interesting to see the wrap up and the conclusion of this little mystery side mystery that was going on and um jack's involvement with it so it'll be interesting and heather let's see if you can make up for all the evil things you said about shadow queen <laughs> I hope Even. I can. Um, cause it's time for some crackpot theories. Ooh. Um, Ooh. I actually, we all I've love crack here, seen. right? That's right. One hundred percent. Especially Jenna. <laughs> I guess you can call me a crackhead. <laughs> but I'm. Oh. Um. Anyway. Um. So the first, I actually, I've had two. And I didn't really start developing the second one until we started talking. And some of the points we've hit on have kind of um, pushed me in, in a different direction, too. So the first crackpot theory, I, first off, I loved the reveal. I love that it's Hansel, who's also Jack, who's also Nick. I, I feel like he was a character that had enough of a past that we've already learned about and who's had enough time on screen for us to have feelings about him, at least on, on a base level. So... It, it was, in in my opinion, it's a very smart decision to bring him in and to 
start developing that character a little bit more. Like, I don't need a whole lot of development on the serial killer or on Hansel, but I, I would rather them do that than to introduce an entirely new character as a serial killer. Um, so, crackpot theory number one. I think that maybe, just possibly, Gretel is not necessarily dead. Um, and I have reasons to back that up. When we first saw the serial killer in the premiere, whenever um, he killed Dr. Sage, we I think it was um, Vinny who said that it looked like the hand was a woman's hand. And that was something that I agreed on. So I've spent this entire time believing that the serial killer was going to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And when it's revealed that it's a man, kind of threw that out, unless Gretel's not dead. And she was just trying to get into the Coven of the Eight so that she could start getting information on how to start killing the witches within the Coven of the Eight. Which would be if they both had a little bit of uh, mental scarring, PTSD, from being shoved in an onion. Uh, onion. An oven. They were shoved in an onion? <laughs> I would have PTSD of... about that, too. You'd have a lot of problems if you got shoved into an onion. <laughs> that was but amazing. oven. <laughs> Only on Once Upon a Time. But that would be an interesting way to go with it if it, Gretel's not dead and they're actually working together. My other crap. That would be interesting, just to sort of uh, cool. piggyback for that, piggyback go off ahead. of that for just a second. Because let's say they were, um, they had the blind witch, or, or she was like stalking the blind witch or something like that. And so she would know that the blind witch had joined the coven. And so mm -hmm. that's why she wanted to join it. So I can buy that. I don't know if she's alive, but I could buy that if um, it's ever revealed that that's what her motivations were. Or if she is uh, alive, that would be interesting. That's just the most crackpot, I think. Um, the other one is I do think that he is working with Gothel. And there are some points to that as well. Because when we first met Nick, he was not awake. If he, was, if he was awake, then he's one of the best actors as far as they go. Which, if he's a psychopath, that's okay. I, I could buy it. But I feel like he was still under the curse at that time. So somebody or something had to wake him up. And who better to do that than Gothel? The other way is he has absolutely no motive against Tilly. Which I know um, you guys just talked about. And I could buy that maybe Tilly just happened to be there. But... Gothel has, for whatever reason, some kind of dislike for Tilly, and some kind, some she wants for some reason to get her out of the picture or to test her as a guardian. However, that's going to play out. So I think it would be very interesting for him to be working for Gothel to be still killing off these witches, maybe because she needs their magic, like she's trying to do with Anna. Um, and she's going to have, and I really don't understand, this gets me into my Gothel thing, which I really don't understand why she wanted to cast the curse in the first place, because it seems like she was the driving force behind Ivy. Because, I mean, if she wanted to cast the curse so that she can get the dagger from a pretty much toothless Rumpelstiltskin, that would make sense. But instead of just going after the dagger right now, she's trying to siphon off magic from Anastasia. So it seems like there's some reason, something that's keeping her from going to get the dagger at the moment. So maybe she has to get magic from the other eight witches in the coven and from Anastasia, Anastasia, to somehow power whatever it is that she's going to do once she gets the dagger or to allow her to get to the dagger. So 
two crackpot theories and I love the serial killer reveal. Okay, I can buy it. I can buy that they're working together. That wouldn't surprise me. Although, I don't know if they're going to go that route. Because the only thing that bugs me about that whole situation, unless they explain it, and they explain it in in a proper-ish kind of way, is if he has a vendetta against witches, why is he working with a witch? Ooh, that's a good point. Unless he's just a means, she's a means to an end, maybe? Yeah. I feel like we're going to get all of these answers in the next episode. I genuinely feel like Nick Mm -hmm. will probably die in the next episode. But I I feel like this whole storyline with the candy killer and that kind of thing will be done this week. Right in the nick of time. Yes. That was a good one. It just keeps getting worse. They're all good. (laughs) Some better than others. They're all good. Die mad about it. I didn't I get that it. one. Mm-mm. No, it was just something I heard online. It's just funny. Oh, I <laughs> thought it was a pun. I see. I, was, no, no, no. I, I expect like, everything what? that Jenna says is a pun. I know. Yeah, she set up a precedent. She's I very do. punny. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just glad you don't consider it punishing. No. Oh, Lord. That's what Heather was going through for a moment, but I've forgiven her yeah. with the crack that she gave us. Yay. I like both your crack theories, Heather. I think the second one a bit more than the first one. You don't want Gretel back? I I like Gretel. I just kind of think that she is just straight up dead. And it would make more dead. sense with the motivation, I think. Mm-hmm. Although it would be kind of cool to see her. Also, if Gretel came back, I would really want her resolution to include Ivy because of that whole flashback oh, they spent yeah. together. Oh, yeah. And I Ivy's mean- not here anymore, so... Yeah, that's the only reason why I wouldn't want it to be true. We do have a resurrection stone now, so not out of the realm of possibility. True. Res- true. Resurrection amulet, sorry. There you go. All right, Suddenly everybody. we're Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, wait a second. I just got a theory about the cursed a- about the curse. Can I, my, can I just go for yes. it? Yes, go ahead. Okay, so the resurrection amulet. What if the curse breaks, Henry's about to die, and they use the resurrection amulet to bring him back? Who would they sacrifice? That's a great question, and that's an Rumpel. answer to be given in the finale. Gothel. They can't sacrifice Rumple. That would hurt too much. Well, yeah, no, he they, has yeah. to die. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I'm still not. I'm, I still haven't come to terms. Rumple sacrifices yet. himself. Gothel is not going to sacrifice herself for no, no, anyone. No, even though I feel Gothel. like, and no, I we hate throw this. Gothel in and we kill her with fire. Oh, okay, that's good. I I'm just, a- I don't want them to give her a sob story. Like, I don't want to empathize with her. Like, I, I don't. Like, oh. I want her to be evil. Like, I, what- uh, mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to black fairy her. And I just... I, mm. No, I'm okay with them black fairying her. Like, because they still made the black fairy undeniably irredeemable and horrible. They just gave her, they just kind of explained, like, her backstory. They didn't make it, like... Oh, what was me? They were they were very upfront with the fact that this is still an evil little bitch, and she's got to die. Just understand this was her past. Okay, well, it's not like wicked. It's kind of like it's just what it is. It's just explaining the backstory of a villain. Well, there you go. Yeah. 
Okay, everybody, it's that time. It's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. Which character impressed you the most and why? The rules are simple. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. And if someone has already mentioned the character that you were going to choose, tough luck. You must select a different one. No repeats. And I have all the power in my hands. Let's see who's going to go first. Who has been the nicest? And uh, maybe because she's a guardian, maybe that's why she's been the nicest. So, Katie, you can go first. Yes. I will not oh, that tell was an you evil laugh, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. My MVP goes to someone pretty obvious. It's going to go to Drizella. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> It's going to Drizella. Um, I mean, I talked about I talked about it a lot um, during this whole recap, but I just really like her character. I've loved her arc throughout this whole season. I love that they didn't kill her. I really like that they didn't kill her. Um, I like that they gave her a good ending with her sister. You know, she lost her mom, who she hated for so long, but discovered. Um, discovered her mom did love her at the very end but she still lost her um, but she still has her sister and they're living another life together so that's kind of fun um, I just I like her character a lot I love Adelaide Kane she's done a fantastic job with the character and so she will get my MVP for this episode and probably I mean it is the last the last time we can give an MVP for her so more than likely. Yeah. So Gisela slash Ivy is off the table. Jenna, who's your MVP and why? Okay, my MVP is Dr. Facilier. Damn you. He was... Ha! Ha! Sorry! Ha, ha. Sorry, dude. But, oh, he was amazing. Um, get... Going past Shadow Queen, which, oh my god, was so, 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 so good! We know, you took off your jacket. Anyways, going past that, I Y'all remember that? I remember that. (laughs) Yeah, well, he was spicy and amazing and just, yeah. He He was compelling. I genuinely felt like he's one of those villains who really does know people and he expressed that really in a really interesting way. His motivations became so much more complicated here. So it so and as always for these past few episodes, I just want to know more about his story, more about what his deal is because there because you have his relationship with Regina and the things he's currently doing to the things going on with Drew and Tiana in the past and which side is going to win out because in these pe- in these few episodes that he's been on screen, he's shown so much complexity, and here I feel was just like a shot of just everything that this character is. We got to see him interact with so many people, and every interaction was interesting. Every interaction showed off more of of who he is, how he feels about certain types of people how he how he does his dealings what he wants out of life just how gentle he can be how harsh he can be how scared he can be 
who he stands up to, who he chooses to slink away from. And we're getting in this small amount of time such a such an interesting story, and I just want more of it. I think that's the most telling thing about Dr. Facilier. At the end of the day, we want more. And we're still and with every little bit that we're getting, we're getting so much. It's like it's like if you ate a candy bar and it had the nutritional value of an entire meal. So yeah, Dr. Facilier rocks my socks. Very good choice. And uh going we'll go off of the socks off- reference. I just want to give props to the costume designers because obviously Facilier isn't wearing his whole Dr. Facilier costume in Hyperion Heights. But what they do with his suits, which are impeccable, is they add a little bit of purple somewhere. And he was wearing this like very lavender, like light lavender colored um, uh, dress shirt under it and i was like i see what they're doing there they're like bringing the purple a little bit into it and he also had a purple um handkerchief or pocket whatever you call it pocket handkerchief thing in pocket square whatever the hell you call it Uh, i thought that was really really neat and awesome so heather your mvp and why so my mvp is rumblestilskin slash weaver this time um and why I don't know if I've just been having, um, because he hasn't been in a lot of episodes since we came back, and I don't know if I'm just having withdrawals or if it was that good, but this episode was awesome on so many different levels, and I love seeing Rumpelstiltskin in this episode for several reasons. Um, The first one, when he was gluing that teacup back together, broke my heart into little pieces again, but it was so nice that it was okay. It was like, you're in pain, but you're okay with it kind of thing. Um, the second one was his little conversation with Regina and also his conversation with Vasilier because in those two moments, in his conversation with Regina, he's talking about how he knows things that she doesn't think he knows. And he, you know, he's like, uh, it's my, uh, it's what I do. I collect secrets or something along those lines is what he says. And it's nice to see Rumpelstiltskin back to Rumpelstiltskin on the level that I first fell in love with that character because he knows way more than anybody else on the show, usually. Uh, he's the one they go to for information. He knows everybody's little secrets. So that was a nice little um, callback to that. And also his scene with Vasilier, where we've just had this wonderful, nice scene where he makes the right decision and does the selfless thing 100%. And then you cut to Vasilier, and it's claws out, fully snark, seriously dark one, Rumpelstiltskin. And I loved it. Because as much as I love seeing him redeemed, Rumpelstiltskin is at his best when there's that hint of darkness in that character. And I love seeing that again because I don't feel like we've really delved into that as much this season. So Rumpelstiltskin gets my MVP for this episode. I like it. Everyone has given great choices. I'll be honest, uh, Jenna, I did have uh, Facilia on my list, but I've chosen him a lot this season. I always try to choose someone different every episode because it's just a rule that I set for myself because I like to add variety. And so I'll be honest, I'm actually glad that you chose him because you represented him very well because I wanted to choose someone else, but I he was just so great. I was like, if no one else chose him, like I would have chosen him. I'm surprised no one else mentioned her, because uh, we spoke uh, very well about her uh, earlier. But I'm going to give it to Gretel, 
I really like the actor that they chose for Gretel. I like the storyline that they gave her. I thought her chemistry with uh, Adelaide Kane as Drizella was uh, fantastic. I uh, liked her demise, to be quite honest, just because it, it sort of um, adds to the layers and the nuance of what uh, Hansel is doing in Hyperion Heights. So uh, everything about her was really fascinating. I like the different take, like the 100% different take on her that we saw in this episode versus uh, what we saw in Gretel the first time around uh, back in season one. So let's get into it. It's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 apples? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden apple. Let's start off with Jenna Pace. Well, okay, so I think you guys did do a better job of making me, like, helping me see the good points in this episode a little bit more. Ha -ha! I said a little bit more. <laughs> Jerks, I hate you all. I love you oh. all. You know you love us. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, anyways, so it made me feel a little better about the episode, but I still do have my compl my complaints, and I do still feel that a lot of those complaints are legitimate, and for that reason, I'm going to give it a 7 apples out of 10. By far, not, not the worst, but an episode that really didn't sell me on what it was trying to accomplish, and I'm usually a pretty easy sell, so I don't know. Far and far from without compelling things, um, the, the Rogers Weaver scene at the beginning was fantastic. I love Shadow Queen, and some of the stuff at the bar was really adorable. And also, yeah, a lot of great acting from Adelaide, Gretel's actress, and everybody around. But it just didn't fully work for me, so 7 apples out of 10. She said it, listeners. Jenna's easy. <gasps> easy like Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, get it. May I ask, Jenna, what would you have given it before? Uh, I don't know. Probably like a six and a half. And oh, we didn't I, move you that much. Nope, you still moved me. I, I didn't really know how I felt about this episode. Uh, I don't know. I think you guys helped. Maybe it, maybe it would have been a five. I don't know. I just didn't really have a lot of fun with this episode. It, but you guys did help me a bit more to kind of see the better points of it. Alrighty. I'll take it. Any win is a good win. Heather, what about you? So, I would almost give this a golden apple, except that I gave Beauty a golden apple, and I don't feel like it's on the same level. So, I'm going to go with a 10. Um, I love this episode. I, I liked it a lot. Um, it had so many different moving parts and so many different little small plot lines and usually when once upon a time tries to take that on it doesn't work but this time i felt like it did everything from the amazing tron references which admittedly did boost it a little bit um with henry and jacinda and the bromance scenes to um ivy's redemption which was fantastic the whole um hansel and gretel loop that they threw us for the, the little bit of Rumpel and Regina we got teaming up really, really made me happy. And the scenes with Dr. Vasilier in them. I just felt like I didn't know where we were going to go when we started the episode. And we ended somewhere very different from where I thought it was going to go at, at the end. And it was exciting, it was wonderful, and it gets 10 apples. 
because of that. Katie, how would you rate this? I am also going to give it 10 apples. Um, it was a really good episode. I was very enthralled by it. I loved all the plot twists we got, whether it was from Drizella not dying to Nick being the candy killer. Um, to just everything that happened. I thought that they handled it very well. Um, I love the Drizella and Anastasia scenes. I loved um, I loved the scenes in the barcade. I loved Henry and Jacinda. Um, I liked what I saw from Regina and Facilier. Um We'll see what happens more in the future, of course. But it it was very good. It was done very well, in my opinion, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, the episode gets ten apples for me. So we've got a seven, we've got two tens, and I'm living my life like it's golden. I'm giving it a golden apple. <laughs> I really like this wow. episode. I don't think it's that much of a surprise that I'm giving it a golden. Uh, well, maybe a little bit. Maybe... You might have thought I was leaning more towards 10, but I just thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Like, typically I try to watch these episodes at least twice because I'm moderating and we're going to be discussing it and whatnot, but I was so looking forward to seeing this episode again, and I thoroughly enjoyed it the second time around. I thought it was an incredibly strong episode. I really liked all of the storylines, all of the character interactions, all of the, the bits of information that we got in this episode. Uh, it was just beautifully done. I really liked it. The twists were good. The surprises were good. And I feel like it, it's continuing on this really great trend as we're heading into the final stretch of episodes. I don't believe that at this point in the writing that they knew that this would be the final season. So I'm sort of taking this episode as like an episode of the season versus as an episode leading into the final episode. So that being said, I just thought it was an incredibly strong episode. So I'm giving it a golden apple. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of Storybrooke Weekly Mirror. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash storybrookweeklymirror. Follow us on Tumblr, storybrookweeklymirror.tumblr.com. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Just search for Storybrooke Weekly Mirror and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, guys. Not everyone. Good night.
Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of Storybook Weekly Mirror every Tuesday and Wednesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Our Tuesday show is our episode discussion, and our Wednesday show is our special spoiler edition of Storybook Weekly Mirror. Good night. Thank you.